Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Manifesting with Meg, Conversations with Extraordinary People. Today, I'm so happy to celebrate my 59th episode with this incredible guest, Heather Knight. I can't wait to tell you all about her. She's amazing. She was brown hair when I met her. Now she is a chameleon. We have a blondie in the house. So I'm definitely going to have to ask you whether blondes have more fun. You got to be careful because I'm going to have to argue. <laughs> you don't want to go there. No. I'm kidding. Um, but anyway, we're just going to wait a little bit to get everybody on. But I just want to say I'm so happy to have you all as a part of the month of wisdom. Wisdom is by far one of the things I think we've all earned, you know, certainly hard earned as in many respects. And the bottom line is that when you're open and curious, you gain a lot of wisdom. And I know certainly tonight that is going to be the case. This is a show about transformation, dreams, inspiration, true happiness, discovering bliss, and it's always time to manifest the life of your dreams. I'm going to be sending out a big old blessing that we all act as if our wishes are already fulfilled tonight for certain people that I'm thinking. I'm double crossing my fingers and away we go. Good evening, Heather. I have to remind us all that bliss is not just an abstract idea, but an attainable state of being. Wherever you are, you're just steps away from living the life you desire. So it's always time to wake up to a universe packed with possibility. As I tell everyone at the outset of my show, this is a show based upon my book, The Magical Guide to Bliss, which you will in fact get, Heather. Um, and also, I want to remind each everyone out there that I do follow the months in The Magical Guide. So March is the month of wisdom. And I always ask my guests at the outset to get intentional, to set an intention for the interview, and then pick a number so that we at the end can meet those intentions with kind of like a ceiling the prize and this wonderful insight that we get to share with everyone. So without further ado, I want to introduce all of you to Heather. She is an advocate for women's empowerment. And I think it's so on point that we have her during the International Month of Women, which should be a year, by the way. And she is the also an advocate for domestic violence prevention. Her career in law enforcement led her down the path of learning how to help women go from surviving in life to thriving after the traumatic experience of domestic violence. This led her to begin the nonprofit Surviving to Thriving, which provides a long-term sustainability program for individuals that want to thrive in life after surviving domestic abuse. So she's currently the founder and chair of this Atlanta, Atlanta organization, and her passion for domestic violence awareness and prevention started from a personal situation in her teen years, and that grew into a career in law enforcement. And then most recently, she left the law enforcement, I'm sorry, the, the police department in order to dedicate more time to her podcast, also Surviving to Thriving, which I'm going to make sure I include in the feed so everyone knows where to find you, and also to teach the headline program of RAD, Williams, a woman's self-defense. And I would like you to actually tell me what those, that acronym stands for. So I'm so happy to have you on our show, Heather. Thank you for being here tonight. It is the week of her birth. Yesterday was her birthday. So we celebrate you. And at a very young age, I don't know how, you never ask a woman to tell their age, you're very young, but she's accomplished so much and in service to other women, which is something that needs to be celebrated and, and, and supported and congratulated because I think when people think 
to be in life, to serve others. It's an amazing state of being. So thank you so much, Heather, for being here. Thank you, Meg. I'm so excited to be here tonight. And um, so I, I'm 27. I'm, I'm no, sh I'm not shy about my age yet. I'm, I'm still young enough there. Um, and RAD stands for Rape Aggression Defense. Okay, so there you go. So she's a part of the program of Rape Aggression. What is it? Aggression Defense. Woman, women's self-defense and we'll get a little bit but I, what she didn't what I didn't mention in her bio is that she also is a dancer which I know I was like wow you know I get excited about the creative arts as well so you know all of this you know we all have so much you know wealth and the wisdom but also the wisdom of the arts that come through us as well so I would love for you to talk about that um, to start off tonight our theme is just breathe Sometimes that's the best advice. Certainly a great place to begin taking deep breaths. So everybody together jointly take a deep breath before we start and go off and get our heads clear so we can hear what perhaps um, Heather has to share with us all tonight. So focusing on the act of breathing clears the mind of all the daily distractions and clears our energy, enabling us to better connect with the spirit within. And that's an, a quote by someone who's unknown, but it's also something that will really kind of focus us tonight on those kernels of wisdom. And when life gets too crazy or overwhelming due to endless responsibilities, which I'm sure you know about with everything that you carry right now, you know, it's really important to step back and remember to breathe because it costs nothing it could mean everything and the whole mind body spirit connection to breathe fully is in fact a gift that we can freely give ourselves at any time and I love the key too with regard to this insight because it tells us how to breathe for a full eight seconds in hold it and then out again for eight seconds and it really does calm us down and I go a little fast too much too often so I'd like to just calm us down and ask you Heather what are your thoughts of this and maybe do you use breath with your with your surviving to thriving initiative yeah breath is a huge thing that can calm us down it can hype us up it is your being mm -hmm. and um that the um breath pattern that you're talking about is square breathing and it is fantastic it is used in so many different circumstances um i have several women that suffer from anxiety and panic attacks and the number one thing that we go to before even trying to dissect why they're having a panic attack is is called is doing this square breathing and it's in for four eight you know whatever you can hold hold it and then breathe out again you just repeat that until you can get your heart rate and your breathing back down to a normal spot um to where then you can start to process what's happening so breathing is everything like you said it's everything you know i i did learn that technique when i was dealing with panic attacks and it's very frightening and it's very kind of out of body like oh my god you feel like you're going to die and and generally a panic attack will come on after a significant traumatic event and 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 it's it's bad enough that you're dealing with this trauma to couple that with a feeling of you're going to die and it's actually your 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 body that's kind of shutting down on itself um i do love that you explain that well and and certainly as a tool it's really a great place to start when you feel like life is out of control just take a st step back and and take deep breaths and also i can imagine with dancing the way you hold yourself and i you know i wanted to ask you more about that the whole breath and how that plays a part in the movement 
and how people flow. Cause tell us a little bit about your dance career. Cause you, you have competitions and you are like, you show up, right? You show up. <laughs> yeah. So I have not danced in maybe five to eight years, but I was a dancer, competitive dancer for almost 15 years. Um, so definitely in that whole arena, um, I was captain of my dance team at, in high school for two years. And then, you know, I was in studio dance and did a lot of performances there. Most of my competition was through my high school team. And breath is everything because you have to dance for three and a half minutes and you don't get a break. And it is intense the entire time. And you are doing leaps and turns and running across the stage this way and that way. And it is just, you, you have to learn how to breathe through every single movement. And the great part about dance is that everything's in an eight count. So as you are counting to eight, you can breathe in and breathe out. Um, now that I'm no longer dancing, I still work out probably five to seven times a week. And breathing through that is also important because if you don't breathe while you're working out, you could pass out. So <laughs> breath is, is everywhere and it's everything. And, you know, I wanted to go back with the whole everything component. Like your life has been everything then. You went from a competitive dancing and then your journey to becoming a police officer. And, you know, this incredible legacy that at 27 that you have to build on. Tell us a little bit more about that so everyone can get an idea as to how you arrived to where you are running this incredible domestic violence prevention group. Yeah, so I never as a kid growing up wanted to be a police officer that was never any intention that i had and i was a theater kid i danced i was a singer like i i was a total like theater geek nerd whatever like i was nowhere near like this badass woman that you know <laughs> is here today um and so i was at theater and I was 17, I want to say, um, almost about to turn 18. And one of the moms there was um, asking me, like, what are you going to do with your life? What do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know, because I was working at a daycare at that point, And I loved working at that daycare. I still, the kids that I taught are now like 15 years old. So like they're, they're grown, but I still remember them as little babies and I just want to hug them. And, you know, like it was just the, the greatest experience that I have had. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll go into early childhood. I'll be like a kindergarten teacher or something like that. And then I really loved to bake and I was like, maybe I'll become a baker. So I was going through all of these different things and, but I was obsessed with crime shows. Like obsessed it was beyond which one was your favorite which one which one was um law and order svu okay was hands down my favorite now probably criminal minds okay. um because it's more i don't know it's just creepier i don't know <laughs> um, <laughs> i have a sick sense of humor but it's okay um and so i was like maybe i'll be a detective like maybe that'll be really cool and so that's kind of where the interest started but it wasn't like from age eight, I was like, I want to be a cop. This is like my life choice or my life path. And so I had the daycare. I was working at the daycare. Uh, one of my really good friends, her dad was a um, pastry chef. So I went and I worked with him for a little while, got to tour a few kitchens. And then this mom at um, theater was like, hey, one of my really good friends is a police officer. 
do you want to do a ride along with him? And I said, yes, <laughs> like, even if I don't want to be a cop, like this sounds amazing. So I went and I signed up and he's like, How, come this night. And I was like, okay, cool. Didn't think anything of it. Cause I was 18, couldn't drink, couldn't go out and party. Well, apparently I picked a, a Halloween pub crawl night. Oh, <laughs> it was insanity. Yeah. Was it a full moon too? Was there a full moon out at oh, the time? I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I fell in love with it. I was like, this is what I want to do. This is so cool. This is so much fun. And like the adrenaline is always there. And of course, like four years into policing, I'm like, okay, this isn't, is, it's not always as exciting as that yeah. night was. But um, yeah, so I went to uh, college for criminal justice. I got a bachelor's in criminal justice, a minor in Arabic, because my full plan was to go to a three-letter agency. And by that, I mean FBI, CIA, DEA, all of that. So your ABC um, departments, as they call it. And so went and did the minor in Arabic and applied to a bunch of police departments and got in, you know, went and started my career. So, you know, you have to make it through the the boot camp. Like you have to, you have to make it through. Hang on, I'm going to take this down, but I want to show some of the quotes that you shared with me because I always think like the quotes we ask, we use that we identify with really really kind of are telling as to how we think. And this one is whenever you find yourself doubting how far you can go, just remember how far you have come. Remember everything you have faced, all the battles you have won and all the fears you have overcome. Now I'm looking at you, you don't look like a huge, huge presence. You know, you, you, you definitely have the energy of a huge presence, but going into the police academy, what was that like? And how did you show up and you made it through? So clearly you are a perseverer, that's for sure. Yeah, and I was a lot tinier back then too. So <laughs> I was like 110 pounds soaking wet. Uh, not that anymore, but I was definitely tiny. Um, the pictures when I look back at like when I graduated, like my uniform swallowed me. <laughs> like, oh God, how did I ever make it? Um, but it was a lot of, I went to the academy with five people from my department. And so that was a huge help to have that support there. And it's when you get down to like the core of policing, I know there's like a ton of, uh, politicalness with policing right now but when you get down to just the core and the people that are there like the brotherhood the sisterhood that's there is incredible and it's not anything that you can match maybe the military you can match but it's it's just that all together everybody wants everybody to succeed so I was terrified that I wasn't gonna qualify in shooting because I had shot a, a gun once in my entire life and um my instructors were like no that's actually a good thing because we can teach you how to do it we don't have to unteach you the bad ways and then teach you the good ways and we can just teach you how to do it um so that was like the biggest thing that i was scared of um i wasn't necessarily nervous about um like the defensive tactics because i had been in gymnastics and dance like i'd thrown myself on the floor plenty of times and gotten hurt plenty of times i wasn't afraid to get hurt um, but it, it is nerve wracking to be like, okay, this could happen in real life. Like I could be in this fight and like, I could be fighting for my life. So when you like put that into perspective, it's a little nerve wracking, but it, in 
like when you put it in just passing the course, um, that wasn't a huge um, scare for me. Like it was, it was nerve wracking, but it wasn't a huge scare. I actually um, popped my sinuses while uh, in defensive tactics. So that was fun to deal with, but. So how does that happen? <laughs> I <was laughs> so like, I, I, you know, you kind of look like the girl in the movie Kick-Ass. So I, I'm like, I keep thinking, oh yeah, I can see her. She's small, but she's like doing all these acrobatic moves all around people. And I can only imagine that at the time, maybe you like get smacked in the face and you're just like, ah, but, but you know, I think, I think that's a toughness. You know, you literally have to show physical physicality, you showing up. And I laugh when you're telling me about the guns because I went to a training course at um, FLETSI, which is the Federal mm -hmm. Law Enforcement Training Center. When I was with DHS, I was training um, the officers in immigration law. And they're like laughing because I had never touched a gun. And they're like, oh, look at her. Like they were just thinking it was the cutest thing. And I was like, oh, put that gun in my hand, man. What's this going to be all good? You know, it's a very powerful feeling. And, and it's very, you know, you have a lot of um, respect for that as well. There has to be that, you know, because it's not an easy it's not an easy uh, action, you know, I, to pull a trigger. It's, it's, uh, it takes a lot of force to yeah. hold the gun. So, so I, I, I found that very eye opening and a lot of my, you know, perhaps premonitions or, or per my perspective beforehand changed. So I can only imagine that after how many weeks was the police academy for you? 10, 10 weeks. So, you know, were you ever in a situation, and, I, and you don't have to tell me if you don't want to, but were you ever in a situation where you were facing a, you know, near death or kind of a challenging experience where your life was, you know, was in, in harm's way? Yeah, so two instances come to mind. One where I was faced with having to use deadly force and then one where my life was in danger. The one where my life was in danger was, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, in a way, but <laughs> like looking, it's so, it's, it's funny because I used to teach, not teach, but I used to go to high schools and colleges and um, recruit and, and, and um, do like this open communication with college students. Like, Hey, this is, if you want to ask me anything, ask me anything and we'll talk about it. Like, yeah. don't be afraid. and even if you want to call me a racist or you want to do this, like, we'll talk it out. We'll, Right. whatever is in the news you know whatever shootings in the news we'll talk about it we'll all give you the police perspective you give me your perspective and we'll you know like it was a huge it was a really big community thing that we did and so of course of course one of the questions i always get is have you ever you know what what's the scariest moment of your life and um it wasn't scary until you sit there and think about it because if you think about all the scary things that happened to you you would never be a police officer you would never you know <laughs> you'd be like i'm going home i'm never coming back because like you you just can't think about it but i think if you watch the news too long to actually function outside in the real world you know you'd be like i'm too terrified so you have to cut that exactly. off <laughs> exactly yeah I, i'd never watch the news as a police officer never <laughs> uh, it was just yeah not a thing um but i was we were running uh laser which is speed and so i was pulling this car over and this man is the luckiest man ever because I think I got him going like 30 over the speed limit. So it wasn't even like a petty, like, oh, whatever. No, 30 over the speed limit, 70 in a 45. And so I'm pulling him over. I go up, I grab his license and I hear this car coming. I could hear it. This car was two miles away from me and I could hear it coming. And so could the officers that were up the road still running speed. And they were like, do you hear that? 
And at first they thought it was an officer that was like, when officers know other officers are running speed, they'll come on, yeah. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll, they'll go do that. With you. Oh, they do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. They definitely do. They'll go mess with you to be like, oh, I got one. And then it's like, nope, it's just me. <laughs> so they thought it was, you know, another officer. And then they're like, wait, no, that's like a Mustang or something. Like you could hear the way the cars sound. So they put the speed up and they clocked this guy going at like 130 miles an hour. I am outside of my vehicle talking to this guy that I just pulled over on the passenger side, which is on the side of the road. And I hear them coming. They're like, Heather, get out of the road. Like this car is coming. We can't stop it. And I like I had just walked back in in between my car and this guy's car. So I'm like right in the middle. So I step back and he comes flying by. If I had been on the road at that point, I would have been killed. Wow. And I literally, I threw the license back at the dude that I pulled over and I said, you're off the hook, buddy. Got in my car and took, took off after him. But that was like, that was one where my life was in danger, but I didn't even know it at the time. So it wasn't super scary until I thought about like, Oh, that was okay. I could have been just like obliterated, not even just run over. Like I would have just, yeah. And how long, how long were you totally uh, in total years on the police force then after Four and a half. It was four and a half years. And so you were also, you did many different like um, posts with it, within like different job yep, roles. I had, yeah, I had two different um, posts, if, if that's the easiest way to call it, assignments, I guess. Uh, the first one was night shift and I did that for two years. And then I was the community outreach officer for two and a half years. Okay, awesome. So I also wanna, wanna you know, Sure, I love this. Grow through what you go through. At the end of your tenure with the police officer, as a police officer, I'm sorry, what 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 was your moment that you said, okay, it's time for me to to shift and do something else? The day before I turned in my two week notice, I came home and I must have just been the biggest B-I-T-C-H on the planet (laughs) because my husband looked at me and he said, you are no fun to be married to in this job. And I said, okay, I'll turn in my two weeks tomorrow. Wow. And he was also a police officer at the time. Yeah. For almost a decade. Oh, wow. And he had, yeah, he had left the, um, the same police department, uh, three years prior to me. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's very interesting. So had you thought of that before that two week period when you were just like, okay, here we are, you know? Yeah, I had been struggling with that decision for for probably about a year and a half. Uh, I knew that I I didn't love love it anymore, Mm -hmm. but I still loved it. I was the community outreach officer. I loved being in the community. I loved doing what I did where I went to colleges and high schools and I had these real conversations, especially because I left the police department two years ago. Like we're in the height of all the politicalness, all of, you know, the BLM movement, all of this. And so it was so powerful to have them sit with a black woman who's on the force, talk to them like real, you know, like I was like, there's no BS here. I will give it to you straight. There are there were shootings in the news that I didn't agree with that I said, no, that officer should be fired or that officer needs to go to prison. And like, so they, they knew that I wasn't just saying like, oh, police are great. You know, all this stuff. It's like, no, we make mistakes. We're human. And you like, you have to remember that, that all of police officers are human and they're going to make mistakes, but Hey, the criminals are human too. And they're going to make mistakes. And we all have to answer for those mistakes, no matter if we're 
police officers or criminals. Like it doesn't matter. So I loved doing that and being in the community and helping with everything there. Um, but the way that I was treated as a female in the department that I worked for was just nasty. And so I, I had to leave. Wow. So I was struggling for about a year and a half with that because I, I loved what I did, but I knew that it wasn't good for my mental health. Wow. And, and so you, it's interesting. It's kind of like, Oh, but you know, you have this, this opportunity to this outreach, you know, and, and you're, you're feeding a definite need in the community at the same time, obviously the stress has gotten to you that you're not pleasant to be with at your house <laughs> with your husband. So right. at that point, you're just like, okay, there's got to, something's got to give. And I think, you know, I find it very interesting how we all, you know, show up in our lives to make those determinations. So I like that you put this, the struggle you're in today is developing the strength you need for tomorrow. And let's turn to your wonderful striving to thriving initiative. So how did that evolve? And, and tell me a little bit about this beautiful legacy that you are building for yourself now. Yeah, so this is kind of twofold. Part of it comes from policing, uh, but the majority of it comes from when I was 16 years old, I was sexually assaulted and I, you know, I, people ask me all the time, like, how did you move through it? How did you, you know, go on to this? And I don't know at 16, I had the, I had the wherewithal, I had the decision where I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm not like, I, I, I was suicidal for a point, but I was like, I, I cannot live like this. I cannot show up in the way that I'm showing up because it's, it's not healthy. But as a 16 year old, I had no clue why I did that. You know, there I can say like, oh, my family, they didn't had literally my dad found out uh, like six months ago that this happened to me oh, when wow. I was on a, he listened to a podcast that I talked about. And he's like, I had no clue. <laughs> that's where you yeah. got that. He's like, oh, <laughs> <that's not laughs> um, but, you know, like they him, my sister, they'd be like, you don't smile anymore. Like what's going on? And I never had the courage to say this is what happened. I just kind of was like, OK, well. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's a huge thing that I say to a lot of people is I can't help you until you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. So whenever you reach that point, we'll be here and we'll, we'll, we'll grow through it. You know, we'll grow through what you go through. But until then I can tell you all day that you need to work through this or you need to get, you know, see a therapist or you need to figure something out. But unless you're ready to hear it, you're not going to hear it. So I, that happened to me and I made that decision that I wasn't going to be a victim anymore. And I was going to take that and grow through it. And I moved to Georgia and, you know, I, I kind of left everybody behind, um, except for my family and two friends. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of that part of it and i think that helped also shape where i wanted to be as a police officer so on night shift the majority of the calls that we get are domestic violence calls and it's the same people over and over again so i was very fortunate in being able to talk to those women and ask them like hey we're here at least once a week why are you still here (laughs) you know which is a very difficult question to ask when you are not a police officer right as a police officer, have that that ability to be like, why are you still here? Why are you still calling us? If I was a friend or if I was a, you know, 
that could be very victim shaming of very like, this is your fault. Why don't you just leave? Um, so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, maybe I should just ask my friends that don't do that. <laughs> like, do not just flat out ask them why they won't leave because they'll just turn it and, and be very angry at you. Um, but as a police officer, I could ask that question. So I was able to build this list of things that weren't obviously if they thought like, oh, well, it's I'm not in that bad of a relationship or I'm not, you know, if, if they didn't believe that they were in an unhealthy relationship, there was nothing I could do. But when they were like, well, I don't have the means, I don't have a support system, I don't have this, I don't have that. If I had all this, I would leave because I know that this is not a healthy relationship. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, let's figure this out. Let's get some more resources in this area. And that, so coupled with my experience and then the experience of policing, I was able to um, do um, uh, form Surviving to Thriving. So surviving the thriving, I just want to tell you that we have people who are on Suzanne Simonetti saying what a brave and strong woman, recognizing that your path certainly is one where you are not a victim. You decided that was the case and they're recognizing that. It's very cool as well. And an impressive background, she says, as well as Sharon is saying, this is very cool. So acknowledging that, I I do wanna I do wanna speak to what you just said as far as, you know those people that you had addressed when they called you to the house. I, I do love to share the wisdom. Obviously it's March, so that's a good point. But you know, if someone you know is you 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 assume or you may perceive that maybe the issue is domestic violence there's going on and you just don't want to be a passerby or a, you know stand by and watch this happen, what is something that you can share that would really make a difference in the situation that won't exacerbate it by them shoving you out of their life, but embracing some sort of empathy when you don't know how it feels because you haven't walked that path? That is a really good question and a lot and one that you know we get a lot from um, supporters and that's what we like to call them are you are the supporters because in that situation, whether it's physical or mental or emotional or psychological control or abuse that these women are going through and men too, uh, I don't wanna exclude men, they make up about 15% of domestic violence victims. We, however, just don't service men at this point. We want to in the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that is something that when they're going through that, they are isolated, their abuser will isolate them and they'll make them think, or they'll go out, they'll go to all their friends, their families and make it seem like they're the abuser or they're being you know, narcissistic or controlling yeah. when in reality it's the other way around. So if you suspect that in fact that woman is being abused, then I would say the biggest thing you can do is constantly be there for her. And I mean, I don't mean by saying that by saying, you know, always being like, hey, whenever you're ready to leave, I'm right here. I just mean like, hey, do you want to go grab a cup of coffee? Do you need to talk? I'm here. You know, it, you know, is your husband or boyfriend home? Do you want me to come over? I'll help you cook. I'll help you clean. Because the day that she's ready to leave, she will know that she has at least one person that she can call and say, I need to get out of this situation. Are you available? And if you are set on being that person, you need to stay that person for as long as it takes because it could take years. Wow. Uh, and and it, yeah, it, it, it could take years. And the only thing that they know is that they don't have a support system and that they are stuck in that situation because 
they don't think they have anybody. So if you're just constantly there for them, that's the biggest thing that you can do. So you do have a, a you have your surviving to thriving. It's a podcast as well as as it's also a, is it a shelter? Is it an organization? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So those who are out there, especially in the Atlanta area, if you're listening, that perhaps you know if, if you know of someone who needs a, a safe place to go or you yourself need a safe place to go, that this is being offered um, by Heather and her, her, her organization. Yes, so we are, as of right now, because of COVID, um, we are just hosting classes. So Surviving and Thriving, we do lifestyle learning courses. We have um, the Women's Self-Defense course, and then we were planning in 2020 to have our sustainable housing program which did not happen uh, because <laughs> you know everything <laughs> happened. Um, but that is the goal for us is to have our sustainable housing program, which is a three to five year program that is not a shelter. And you can use what you learn in the lifestyle learning courses to rebuild your life. So we literally take you from day one, step one, all the way to owning your own house or living in your own apartment and having your own job, being able to support yourself and not having to rely on um, different assistant assistance programs when you are completely self-sustaining. Wow. And, and, and basically the whole, I mean, I, I love that you have a vision for your pro and I, obviously we plan God certainly laughed this last year at all of us. So I guess your quote now, sometimes the most important thing is a whole day in a whole day is the rest we take between two breaths, right? Because, you know, sometimes we are so tied on to that vision of what we want that, you know, we can get detoured. But in fact, the flexibility of that, you're still there, you're still working with this incredible community. And I'm going to show everybody your beautiful logo as well. So that they know that this is your what if they see this, this is Heather's baby. And certainly, you know, this is what she's talking about right now. And and you know, I, I, I definitely, um, I definitely think that the more women like you who are using something that was so significant in your life, I mean, you became a police officer, so you empowered yourself, right? You, you took your voice back, so to speak, and then you offered a safe space in this surviving to thriving element so that you could give other women or men for that matter. I know we had um, the VAWA, Violence Against Women Act, when I was working with DHS and they didn't contemplate men and women. So, so there is that component, but you're offering both of these individuals who may perceive themselves to be a victim to take their lives back. Um, and, and, and tell me a little bit about this this uh, beautiful symbol of your organization, because I love the hip. I mean, I know, you know, the woman, Wonder Woman poses with the two hips, but you got one arm down and one, you know, tell me, I know it has something, some symbolism there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not as deep as many people think, but it's really uh, good that I know. <laughs> it's really good that pose. <laughs> it's just power. powerful, but it's also, as as women you can be vulnerable right because as you know with wonder woman it's like nope i have to be straight up and powerful all the time but there's also with the arm down it's there's that vulnerable side and even as men or women like we can be vulnerable um i this uh episode for the podcast is going to come out in an, in a month or so but the guest that i had like she said that the whole reason she got out of her situation was because her dad was vulnerable to her 
her dad cried so like that and that's what she's like okay like my dad is crying because of the situation i'm in and so that's you know like it's it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to let your guard down as men and women so and, you know, I, and I want to go back to the vulnerability point because I think it's really important. That could be a superpower as well. It could be quite um, enlightening when you share your story from a place of vulnerability where you open up your other's eyes, your eyes to the truth and the authentic person that you are. And and that's something that I've always found you to be. We had a wonderful podcast interview together and I just felt like you were incredibly authentic. You were incredibly vulnerable with your story. I think sharing that, and, and I know that it's been some time since you were 16. So maybe the, you know, and you've, and actually from what I hear you saying is that you've actually explored it you've explored the wound so that it could be healed so that you can sit there and stand in a place of empowerment so you can empower other people um tell me a little bit about the the name surviving to thriving because i think that that's really powerful i really do love that so a lot of times in domestic violence even if you get out of that situation and you're living on your own many people are just surviving life and they're not living life to the fullest and they're still living in that trauma which is completely fine and okay you need sometimes you just need to sit in your own trauma and internalize it and that's how you you know get through it but at the end of the day the end goal is to thrive in life you only have one and if you want you know like you don't want to sit there and just be like all right well i went to work today and i you know went home i cooked you know <laughs> you know like and then i went to bed which some days that's what you do right <laughs> yeah because <laughs> that's what i did today i worked and i cooked and you know like but that is not the end goal right if that's one day because that is what you did today and that's what made you happy and you know that's all that you wanted to do that's fine but if you're like if you are sitting in this trauma and you're struggling to get up you're struggling to go to work you're struggling to cook food you're struggling to go to bed at night there's something that needs to change and there's something that needs to be worked on because that's not a way to live life right it's okay to be there for a little while because everybody needs to process that trauma but that's not living life and that's not thriving in life and so our goal is to take people from surviving which is why we're not a shelter and why we're not we don't extract people from these situations we don't we are the after effect we are you're already out of that situation and maybe you've done time in the shelter and you're ready to be out of the shelter that's when you would come to us we are kind of the the transitional point uh because there's not a lot of services that help you once you're out of that situation and you're like okay well i've been in the shelter for 30 days and they're going to kick me out tomorrow so where do i go yeah i i, I do love that you said that and i want to point this out you did have brown hair once yeah. <laughs> you can still see it mostly <laughs> and i love that you wear purple because i think purple is a really empowering color as well you know the soft and the vulnerable and the wisdom is all there in the purple so i had to show that because i was like maybe you're blonde now but you actually were and you know sure <laughs> And a little bit of, a little bit of. I, love that. I was like, I don't even know why I put it. I was just like, oh, but I knew that you were gonna show me the blonde hair tonight. <laughs> you know, I, I I wanted to continue on with regard to what you're saying as far as thriving component, and that you know, if you're struggling in life, 
you know that's that's no way to live every single day if it's constant and you feel like you're stuck i i do love the concept and and you know i'm, I'm playing with this now because i'm working on a, on a talk about women collaborations and empowering power of women collaborations to make a difference and change the world and, and i and i know that you're doing that right now and, and that's how i know that you're an extraordinary person because you know certainly taking the wisdom of all of your experience and you know you're just not staying there you become a conversation that we could all be proud of and how you intend to be present in the world. So, you know, how does this speak to you now about changing the conversation around domestic violence then from, you know, someone who, you know, it's a problem to something else? That is the whole goal of the podcast is to talk about the, um, the taboo topic of domestic violence because it's not something that anybody should be ashamed to talk about because it is a, a huge, it, does, it has no bounds socioeconomically, racially, gender, it touches everybody. And if you sit back and look at your life hard enough, you'll know, you will know somebody that has been affected by domestic violence. So for us to sit here and not talk about it and not make it a priority in our lives, is something that's really sad to me because it's such a huge thing in everybody's lives. And so that is where, you know, the goal of the podcast is to at least just get the conversation started because nobody wants to talk about it. Um, and then the, the ultimate goal and the ultimate mission and vision of surviving to thriving is to be a collaborative with all of the nonprofits in this area so that we can all share and give to the community. I don't think that any one program is better than the other because guess what? Even if you have three shelters in one area, they're all going to be full Yeah, because there's that many people that need that assistance. So being able to work together is going to hopefully <laughs> end this pandemic. It's a second pandemic that we're living in, yeah. epidemic, whichever you know you want to call it and will bring light to the people that need to that it needs to be brought to their attention you know as far as intention is one of con uh, concerned I, I definitely want you to identify at least what's the definition of domestic violence just so people it's it's it's, it's not this amorphous you know uh, concept there's actually a definition behind it and that you know uh that a lot of people try to gaslight like you said a lot of the people who are the ones you know who are perpetrating this are gaslighting it like you're crazy you're making yeah. it up in your head it's nothing to do you, you're you don't know, know what you're talking about so then you start to question whether you're saying you're sane or not so i think by identifying what that is and certainly you're definitely in the position because you were a police officer and now you are working with a lot of people to give those lifestyle learning skills to help them thrive can you can you give us a working definition that if anyone is really contemplating what am i this is what is this me is this happening to me that they could um, basically take away from at least this conversation? Yeah. So first and foremost, um, domestic. Let's not focus on the violence. Let's focus on the domestic part. Domestic is any uh, spouse or former spouse, ex or current boyfriend or girlfriend, roommates, child to parent or grandchild to um, grandparent. If you are living all, if you are living together, that is domestic. Okay. So 
if you are a grandparent and you're abusing your grandchild, that's domestic violence. Um, if you guys live together. So a lot of people don't understand that even roommates, right? That's the huge thing that people don't understand. If you are living with somebody, mm -hmm. domestic violence, um, violence, you have physical violence, which is the easy one for everybody to figure out, right? That's bruises and broken bones and lacerations and abrasions and all of those things. And they're very easy to point out and very easy to see. And that's not really the one that anybody like that nine times out of 10, that's not the kind of violence that you're going to see, especially right off the bat. Um, mm -hmm. the violence manifests itself over time because at the point that the physical violence starts, they've already taken control of that person's lives, life. And so then you have a few other things. You have emotional uh, violence, which is basically making their, you know, your self-worth and your um, just always being put down and you're never good enough and you're never all of these things. Then you have your, um, psychological and mental control or abuse. And that is where the gaslighting comes in. And this is the most common form um, of domestic violence. And this is where it starts. And that is your, you know, they have these blow up kind of things or, you know, these, um, they, they just blow up, they get angry and they say things and they're like, well, that's not what I meant or that's not what I said, or you're, you're making things up or they'll just say it in passing. Right. Or they'll be like, oh, you know, those jeans don't fit you like they used to. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then you, know, you like you you say like then the next day or you know a couple of days down the road you're like, hey, um, I was thinking of like getting new jeans because you said you didn't like the other one. And they're like, oh, I never said that. Like, what are you talking about? It's all these simple things that would you would never be like, no, I know you said that because it's in a text message or we had an argument and like all these things. It's no, it's all these like random things in passing. And then they tell you like, no, that never happened. So then, like you said, you start to question your sanity and you're like, maybe I'm forgetting things. Maybe I'm making things up in my head. And then once you reach that point, then, you know, it, the emotional uh, abuse comes. And then a huge one is financial abuse that people don't think about. And that's when, you know, even if you're working a job, the money goes directly into their account or, you know, you're a stay at home mom and you don't get you know you get an allowance and you know you don't have complete um access to all of the finances and things like that like with my me and my husband he has he's a uh he's in the military so he does bring in a paycheck even though we've got our businesses so we're also entrepreneurs but that's our money even though he's the one working for it it's our money because we're married and so like i have complete access and control of all of the money just as much as he does and if he were to then say like nope i'm gonna like change the passwords you don't have access to it and here's a hundred dollars to go buy groceries <laughs> you know like yeah. That, yeah. that is financial control and that is what is detrimental to people being able to get out of those situations right even if you come to the realization you're like oh i am being mentally um abused emotionally abused physically abused if you're being financially abused you're 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 dead in the water and you can't do anything about it so i want i want to so so now that you have this wonderful um organization surviving to thriving you know i i, I one of the things i really really want to point out is that what makes you extraordinary 
is that you saw something and you did something about it. But not only that, it's because you have incredible empathy. People who, like Suzanne is saying, that's gaslighting. That's clearly something that, you know, you're already questioning whether your, your mind is still there. You know, I wanted to, before we go into the manifesting part, I, I just want to say, what is the one thing that moves you forward in life that you can share with anyone who needs to hear it? So it might not be the one that's great for domestic violence, but my husband is the one that moves me forward in life. I, I told you before we started the show that I would not be on this path without him. I would still probably be a police officer, miserable and hating life if it weren't for him. Um, I would not have started this foundation without him. He was the one, he had his business on the side um, of the military and he wanted to attach a purpose partner basically with it. And, you know, we talked about it and he's like, no, this needs to be a foundation. It needs to be your foundation. And, um, and that is, you know, that's how all of that came about. Um, like really he's the one like, yes, I had like, Hey, this is something that's really dear to me. And this is something that I think we should work on. And he's like, but he was the one that brought it to fruition in the first place. So I would not be anywhere without him. And you know, I think the interesting, the most important thing that you say that there are healthy relationships. There are relationships that can be healthy. You don't have to exist in something that makes you feel worthless or, or less than you have people in your life that support your dreams and work together and collaborate together, you know, toward this great uh, vision that you have, which I think is what you're saying here. So mm -hmm. I love the part about the show where we get to manifest together, because I think that, you know, um, manifesting in and of itself is really intentional. Like I said, at the beginning of this, the show, we all have intentions in life and when we're having our focus and the clarity after we take the deep breaths, right, then we can actually fine tune what it is that we you know we want or we desire or we that will you know, fulfill our lives to make it a really wonderful once around rather than this really depleting one and and being present to others to show them a different path as well so now we get to manifest so for you what is it that you in fact prioritize in your life now at this stage so I have a four-year-old that's living with me right now. She's not mine, but uh, she's she's mine. <laughs> you know, like I. Um, so I definitely prioritize her above um, a lot of things. I think that at this age, um, it's really important that she has people around her that care about her. She's got a lot of people around her that care about her, and um, so that is a huge priority. But also at the end of the day. I prioritize myself and that's been really hard for me to do. Uh, I've always been a people pleaser. I've always wanted to, you know, just make everybody um, happy before I make myself happy. And so even if at the end of the day I have done everything for everybody else, I still take that time to like, okay, well, I'm going to watch, you know, my show on Hulu or Netflix and I'm going to take my time to be with myself or you know, I, we also own a production company. So a lot of times I'm working on client stuff, but then, you know, I'm like, Hey, this is something that I really want to do. So I'll switch it, you know, switch off the work mode and just work on things that 
I want to do with our production company. So that's that's really important, and and it also fills your cup, like especially when you feel depleted, like you're actually doing things to take care of yourself, which is perhaps they say in the plane, they said when when the oxygen is low, put the put the mask on yourself first and breathe in before you help another person, or you're nothing, or you can't handle it, you can't help anybody, nobody can really serve from an empty cup. And and I want to know. This is like my. This is like the all-time favorite question. I say, what tools do you use to manifest this incredible journey that you've already, you know, started crafting for yourself? So let's see the tools that I use. Um, breathing and meditation are huge. Um, just being able to kind of just shut out the world for a little while. Uh, reading is huge. Ah, reading. We love reading. All the readers out there. Yes. <laughs> you have um, a book in you yet, Heather? Is there a book in <laughs> you yet? <laughs> um, let's see. Um, now that the weather is warming up, riding around in my car with the music blaring. Ah, nothing better, right? Yes. <laughs> so just little things in life, you know? I think one of the things that, that brings to mind is that I remember coming home from a trip once with my friend Paulina and we had the song You Don't Own Me on, right? It was You Don't Own Me and we were like yelling out like we were liberated and we're telling the world, you know, we're here and we're just going to embrace life and back off all of you that have an opinion about what I'm doing. I don't care. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I felt like a teenager again. I was like, this is great. Remember when you were a kid and you would cruise around and you yep. just play your music and all the parents are like, oh, they're so annoying. They're horrible. But, you know, you're alive and you feel it, right? I love yeah. that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to think about you this week, Heather, as I annoy everyone else. But I'm in Miami and there are cars bouncing around like that. So it doesn't make a difference. That's how I feel when I pull into my neighborhood. I'm like, oh, let me turn this down. They probably think I'm crazy. Yeah. Or you have them ear pods on and you're like dancing. And it looks like you're having like some sort of like, you know, I don't know. A, a, you know, ah. yeah. <laughs> you're having a seizure and you're just listening to your music and you're just like in heaven and everyone's thinking they're something wrong with you but you know what? who cares because you're happy and those music and i love it that you said that because music brings you to life and i love that i swear i'm gonna do it i'm gonna think about you heather hopefully i'll get pulled over by the cops for being too loud as hell i know heather don't you know her? <laughs> be like i don't know who that is <laughs> like oh yeah try that one again honey right <laughs> try that pass so at the beginning of the interview, I asked you to set your intention for the conversation. My God, have you provided so much wisdom for all of us tonight, and I'm grateful. I always say I want to have fun. I had fun the first time we talked to each other. That's why you're back with me again. I love your spirit. I love your vision. I love your wisdom, and I love where you're taking your life because I think that being of service to others is so amazing. So thank you, really, thank you for being here with me tonight with this really important conversation, both so many issues all wrapped in this wonderful person, Heather. We have, you know, you know gender in the, in, the, in the police force. We have, you know, color in the police force. We have challenges, you know, in life. We have crossroads. We have all of this stuff. So back to you, what was your intention tonight when we joined at the beginning? My intention was to just bring awareness to domestic violence. You know, as, as I said earlier, the biggest thing for us right now is to just make it a topic that people are okay talking about, because if we can't talk about it, we can't fix it. Yeah. 
I think that's really important is, you know, the conversation, you know, addressing it. Don't let it be sitting in the secrecy of, you know, someone's soul, unfortunately there, you know, it, it needs to come out and we need to start discussing ways. And I think that that's what is in fact you, what you're doing. And I'm really, really proud to know you. Um, the other thing that we do is we pick a number. So you picked number seven and I'm going to let you go ahead and read that because I always say that it's like the whole, full circle effect. You know, we start off with the magical guide and it's wisdom and we end with the magical guide working through you. So it's just my little magical touch. So go ahead, go for it. Remember, life is an adventure. Because of our routines, we forget that life is an ongoing adventure, Maya Angelou. We have all been blessed with the gift of life. Sometimes caught up in our daily routine, we forget what a precious and rare blessing this actually is. There is magic in the synchronistic timing that brought our souls into this physical existence. There is magic in the moment we took in our first breath and then cried out to the world that we are here. There is magic as we realize that we have gained knowledge from our great journey, becoming everything we are meant to be. From this positive perspective, when we look around and behold those accompanying us on our way, we can be grateful for what is in store. From this positive vantage point, when we connect with those placed on our path to bring us comfort, wisdom, or perhaps small acts of kindness, we acknowledge the blessings of the shared experience. We are here for just a short time. We must remember to seize each and every opportunity. The present moment offers so much more than we can imagine as we simply open our eyes and welcome what is right before us, breaking out of routines, taking chances, and becoming conscious of life's magic and miracles. When we start to think outside the box, we become open to the beauty that changes us for the better. And then we can come alive and participate in new adventures, grabbing others to join us on our way. Our magical key to bliss is take a magical ride, rent a movie that inspires you. Take a magical ride, play the music you like really loud, <laughs> and then go watch some Criminal Minds tonight. Yes. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I definitely think that the adventure is certainly best shared when there are people that are really wonderful enjoying you, and joining you on path. I want to shout out to Sarah Elkins for this magical connection. You are an incredible woman. What you're doing is incredible. And I'm supporting you from Miami. You are keep going, keep going. And if I could ever help, you know, and collaborate, I do want to give you the opportunity to set out how people can contact you. If perhaps if you know someone who needs to talk to Heather and her group and her organization or foundation, please specify so that people can reach out and you are a wonderfully safe place. You've been trained in this, you know how to you know, work in this environment and you are a great resource. So go for it. Yeah. So I am across all social media platforms as to thriving ATL T O thriving ATL. And if you would like to get in direct contact with me, you can either DM or my email is heather.night at to thriving.org. And that's K N I G H T Heather H E A T H E R dot K N I G H T at what is it again? To thriving.org. To T O? Yep. Thriving T H R I V I N G dot org O R G. So like I said, Heather is an incredibly loving and empathetic person. 
and it's really uh, uh, worth going to be worth your while if you need that resource or you know someone who needs that resource to reach out to her. Um, I want to thank you again, Heather, for you know manifesting with me tonight. Certainly, I hope to step into that space of manifesting so your dreams can come to life so we all can live a life aligned with our passion and our purpose. Um, once again, I, I want you to see this beautiful woman with the brown hair. Because uh, <laughs> I know she's going to have a lot of fun as a blonde, but remember your roots, baby. Um, I do want to give you the final bit of inspiration tonight. So send us all off so that we can, you know, be deliberate creators of our life and also set out in a magical way our dreams. Meg, first, I just really want to thank you for having me on your show. I've had just an incredible time um, talking with you and you know, getting to share my somewhat wisdom, if that's what we need to call it, <laughs> with you. So it's great wisdom. Great wisdom. <laughs> wisdom comes from the word wise. And the only way we get wise is that we have lived experiences. And you definitely have lived experiences. So you've earned it. <laughs> you've earned it. Well, thank you. My um, parting words is if you're still breathing, you haven't been beaten. There you go. So if you're still breathing, you haven't been beaten. Suzanne's saying, oh, you're definitely magic and miracles. So once again, remember, we're all deliberate creators of our life. Dream big and let us all raise the positive vibrations on this planet. How we love ourselves, self-love, self-care. Like Heather was saying, be bold and awaken to this wonderful once around. My book is coming out September 7, 2021. Butterfly Awakens. I share that with all of you. Um, I literally, I'm going to showcase this lady again. So whenever I get a chance, we're all the good stuff. I'm going to make sure that I can post on my social media so you all know about it. And until next time, I love you all. Have a wonderful evening and good night, Heather. Thank you again so much. Thank Have you. Time.